most intimidating fast bowlers. And a cricket journo, not afraid to take the strike. Yeah! Oh, how about it? This is the fast and the curious. Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner, your home for all forms of summer's game. Welcome to the very last episode of The Fast and the Curious for this summer. I'm Bonnie Rayner, Mitchell Johnson alongside me, and we're brought to you by Tab Touch. Make the most of summer, gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858. Mitch, there's still international matches happening in other countries. We've got some domestic cricket that started this week, but can you believe that is the end of another home test series and Big Bash League? Yeah, I know. It's been an interesting and a bit of a strange one, but um, yeah, it's done and dusted now, but uh, we can watch a bit of the overseas stuff and see what's going on there. I just saw the result in the Indian, uh, in England test series. Uh, one all. Yeah, that, that pitch was uh, was pretty crazy. There's been some interesting chat about it. Mm. Uh, so I don't know where I sit on that at the moment because... Um, well, you're not sitting on the fence, so tell us what you think of it. Oh, I don't think it was a very good pitch. Um but then you look at what Ashwin did. He scored 100 in the second innings, so it mustn't have been too bad. Well, he said that he had to bowl. It, the pitch wasn't that good and that his bowling was based on bravery and courage, he said post-match. So I think Ooh, that's... He talks uh, himself up a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think Tim Payne's chirp behind the I stumps think, of not even your teammates like you. <laughs> I think that's pretty much, yeah, spot on, to be honest. But, yeah, look, it's been an interesting year, hasn't it? Uh, mm. Summer of cricket with... COVID going on, uh, the bubble, everything's been so different. Um, been an interesting Big Bash series, uh, summer, sorry, should I say. Um, uh, the, the scorch is getting pretty close, you know, not quite getting over the line, but yeah, that it, it's been it's been good. There's been some good stuff and been some interesting stuff. What's been the highlight for you? Um. I mean, there's been a few highlights. I think Cam Green is definitely one for me. I think that selection was probably one of the best selections I've seen in a long time, like very much warranted for me. Um, and he proved himself um, the way he's conducted himself uh, in interviews uh, and the way he con- conducted himself out in the middle. Just looked so, not comfortable, but he just looked calm and he sort of led the way a little bit at times, I thought. Um, so he's probably been the, the big standout for me. Um, also, I guess the, the selection of plenty of WA um, uh, players in the, the, T, the this T20 series in, um, where is it again, New Zealand? <laughs> they played that, they play that last, not last night, the night before? Uh, that ma- that series starts on Monday. It starts on Monday. They had a practice game. Uh, they're currently in quarantine, but they have started training. Uh, yep, okay. So they're... Um, starting to have a couple of hitouts over there. Over I must the have been dreaming it then. I must have had a dream about think, cricket. No, I think there was a tweet about an England Lions match in New Zealand and there was a photo on Twitter of the incredible backdrop in Christchurch of sort of the mountains and stuff. So maybe, trying uh, to throw you a bone here, maybe, maybe. you saw that. <laughs> I don't know. No, we do have that series still to look forward to and um, plenty of standout moments that yep. we'll, we'll be able to reflect on. But to me, the exact same. Cameron Green, above yeah. all, he never looked out of his depth. He's so young and he managed to uh, soak up as much information as he could about yeah. the way to conduct yourself, whether that was maybe leaning on his teammates and following in their footsteps. And, and in the middle, he never looked out of his depth either. So yeah. he absolutely burst onto the international scene. And last week, we promised a big guest to wrap it up. 
Guess who's here this week? Oh, I'll take a wild guess. Cam Green. <laughs> Cam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've had an incredible two summers now, but last year at domestic level, you were scoring centuries in front of empty crowds to now this year <laughs> taking part in the biggest test series against a powerhouse cricket nation that was watched by 10.8 million people on Channel 7. How daunting is was all of the hype? Yeah, um, it's all happened pretty quickly. So I haven't really had time to let it sink in and get daunting in a way. Um, but yeah, it was an incredible experience um, and yeah, pretty glad it's over so I can reset and then maybe go again. Hey, mate, I just want to say congratulations on uh, all your success so far and um, I, I'm just really uh, happy to see the way that you've conducted yourself out on the field and also with your interviews. I think you've done a really amazing job, um, really calm and uh, you've probably showed the way with a lot of things that you've done so far. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is I, I heard that uh, you were uh, talking about your bowling stuff um, and not sort of with the injuries that you've had that you weren't too well, possibly thinking about not bowling ever again. Is that what? How do you feel about that sort of scenario now? Yeah, uh, I think I got looked after really well by Tim Payne and get over bowled. Um, I think I've had four seasons in a row where I've done a stress fracture, so. Um, I think the main goal is to try and get through this year um, and then I can get through a pre-season where I can actually learn how to bowl instead of um, just looking to look after my body. Um, yeah, I think a little bit I've been working on just trying to get through a year of cricket and preserve my body instead of actually learning how to bowl. Um, so yeah, hopefully next pre-season I can start learning Does what that- I do best. Does that help to make it less frustrating? I guess there was a lot of commentary around still searching for your maiden test wicket. But for you, I guess the focus, um, have you had to convince yourself to keep your focus on bowling without injury rather than chasing wickets? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, you get into a test arena and get pretty excited. I wanted to go back to what you like normally do and what normally works. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty hard to to hold back a little bit. Um, but, yeah, Tim Payne and the, the guys are really good at um, letting me know that what I was doing was good enough. And um, I just wanted to know, do, do you have a nickname? Has the boys given you a nickname in the team? Anything funny or just greeny? Standard? Yeah, it's been greeny for a while. Um, Original. I think Jail <laughs> calls me Jungle, um, just from a Tash Altana song from a couple of years ago. Um, when I debuted, that was played on repeat. So for him, I've got Jungle, which is an interesting one. <laughs> there you go. Now, just looking back to the start of the summer, making your one-day debut before making your test debut, I, I guess naturally your game style is probably a lot more suited to red ball cricket. Did that make you more nervous debuting in white ball cricket or did it help for your eventual test debut that you would had sort of been through a similar experience just weeks before? No, it definitely helped. Um, I was incredibly nervous for that one day, um, but I couldn't imagine how nervous I would have been if I just went straight into a test match. Um, So, yeah, just to get that little bit of exposure, um, get in front of the cameras, in front of the the country, really, um, before I had to go into a test arena, definitely helped. 
And you were presented your ODI cap by Steve Smith and then your, your test debut from um, cap from Pat Cummins. How did that feel receiving such a prestigious cap from the world's best batsman and the world's best bowler? Yeah, pretty crazy to look back on. Um, I think the yeah, standing in front of Steve Smith, I'd only just met him a week beforehand because um, they just got out the IPL. So they'd been doing two weeks quarantine. We hadn't seen them or trained with them before the game. So um, I've only just met him. I've basically just been watching him on TV for so long. Um, looking back on it, that was, that was pretty crazy. And, and do you remember what they actually said to you? No, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, mate. I was the same. Glenn McGrath um, handed me my baggy green and all I remember was just being in awe as well of, of him, but also just trying to soak everything in. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking and it's pretty exciting at the same time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, all your mind's focused on the game, so um, yeah, you just can't wait to get out there. I guess in your time uh, at home quarantine after returning from Brisbane, did you take the opportunity to really reflect on what had just happened? You'd spent three months nonstop since November in a biosecure bubble and I know you were itching to get out of it, but did you take the chance to go, that wasn't a dream, that just happened? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it probably still hasn't sunk in yet. I think it's just been a massive whirlwind, three or four months, um, so yeah, I haven't really had time to sit down and reflect yet. Um, but yeah, hopefully in a couple of months' time, I could it really sinks in, and yeah, it's a pretty special moment. Yeah, incredible innings of eighty four at the SCG. Obviously, you stand out, and I can only imagine the confidence you drew from that knock and feeling like you belonged at that top level. Did Tim Payne, when you were batting with him, give you any indication of how many overs or minutes you were working towards with the declaration? And did you have one eye on on that maiden Test ton? Uh, no, Tim Payne didn't say anything. I think it's just you play a lot of cricket to know that you're going to going to declare soon. So. Um, try and get as many runs as you can. So, um, yeah, I thought, well, why not? I think with the, they just took the new ball, so it was a lot harder. Um, and they held, they held all the field up, so I was like, I might as well just have a go here. Um, but, yeah, I think it happened so quickly, I didn't really have time to think about the 100. Um, kind of rushed there pretty quickly. So um, it would have been nice, but, yeah, hopefully another day. And... One thing I want to know is, do you like batting at six or do you think in the future there's an opportunity to bat maybe at five? Do you think you could do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not looking too far ahead now. I'll take wherever I play, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I haven't batted too much at number six, the WA. I think I moved pretty quickly from yeah, eight or nine to number yeah, five and four. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty new position, but um, no, I love it. Growing up as a kid, who was your idol to watch and who have you sort of uh, tried to model your game style off? Yeah, my idols definitely as a kid, I think were the same as um, basically any kid around that age. It was either Ricky Ponting or, or Brett Lee, I think, at the time. They were both at the top of their game um, and everyone wanted to be as quick as Brett Lee um, and bat like Ricky. So they were definitely my two idols as a kid. Um, but yeah, there's no one I really modelled around my, my game around. I think I'm a pretty unique batter in a way. I don't think there's many guys who are two metres tall and bat. So um, yeah, there's not many guys I can I can yeah make my game around. 
And speaking to Matt Mason recently, WA bowling coach, he went quite in depth with the action changes uh, that he was saying you had a few frustrations with because obviously you had so much success on the park with your previous bowling action, but almost uh, a victim of your own success because it was causing injury and then it resulted in multiple stress fractures. Um, How has it been taking that time to technically work on your bowling and have you worked um, in the equivalent sense on your batting as closely with anyone um, in particular as you have with Mace on your bowling? No, it's definitely been more in depth with Mace. Um, he's got so many ideas. I think um, he's probably a victim of knowing a bit too much. I think he comes down to training um, with a new idea a lot of the time. Um, but it's only because he's so passionate about his bowling. I've never really seen a, a bowling coach who's so passionate who I think he's been talking to guys in England um, about my bowling action and I'm, I'm thinking, geez, I'm an Australian, why is he trying to help me? But um, I think they're all just so passionate um, about their bowling. Um, so, yeah, Mace has been unreal. Just speaking of England briefly, obviously heading into the Australian off-season, a lot of the big-name players head over to the IPL. Have you had any a look ahead in the next six months sort of of what your off-season looks like? Could you do what Minus Labuschagne did and go and link up with the county side? We saw the success he was able to bring at Glamorgan with the experience in the English conditions. Has that crossed your mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's something I'd love to do in the future. So I've got an English passport, so that make it a bit easier to get over. Um, but yeah, I think all I'm really trying to think about is getting through this year bowling-wise, um, hopefully going to a pre-season where uh, my body's actually in a good way that I can continue on from last year instead of trying to build back up. Um, so, yeah, probably won't go away. I'd probably love to, yeah, stay in Perth and do another pre-season with Mace and just get my body in action right. So away from cricket, mate, what, what do you like to do? What is it, golf? Is it PlayStation? We're hearing a lot of PlayStation Don't at the say moment. PlayStation. Come on. <laughs> Be different from the, West of the, the rest of the WA cricket team. Do you like to write poems yeah. maybe? Something like that, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, well, I think you get stuck in, in quarantine, so you do play a lot of PlayStation. Boom. And there's not much else you can do. Um, right. no, I heard no, AJ's no. one of the worst. Is that right? I've never played with AJ, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, it's probably a reason. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, just... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So except for PlayStation, I just want to quickly launch you under the bus uh, really quickly. I have heard a story from a couple of years ago that I'd love to hear your side of. Um, During the One Day Cup, uh, something about you waking AJ up at around 4am to go to the ground to start the game. Can you confirm if that happened and what your tale of events is? Yeah, of course I stayed with AJ that day. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. My dad was in Auckland at the time, so... I've tried to work out, I don't know why I've done it, but I've changed my time to his time just to work out what time to call him. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm calling him at 8 o'clock, his time. So I've changed my phone to his. So that's like four hours ahead or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, the next morning I obviously haven't changed my time. I put my alarm for, I don't know what time, 8 o'clock we had to wake up. So I've woken up and our room was really dark the day before. Crazy. <laughs> so I woke up. And I was like, okay, it's still, it's dark, but I know it's eight o'clock. <laughs> and then I, I've got ready. I'm literally about to leave in, in five, ten minutes. And AJ's not got up yet. I was like, oh, shit, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I've walked to his room and I've gone, AJ, like, come on, we've got to go. 
And then I've looked at his alarm clock and it says four. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and what was his response? He was going, Greeny, shut up, basically. Go back to bed and I'll see you in four hours' time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, has he reminded you of this story a couple of times since? Yeah, he tried to stitch me up on TV um, when he's doing after the game, walk around and interview guys. Um, uh. But I completely forgot about the story, so... Um, he had to remind me about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. That's uh, brilliant. You mentioned your dad in Auckland. Um, when you found out the news that you'd be making your ODI and your test debut, uh, out of anyone close to you, family, Emily, your girlfriend, whose response um, was the best or the funniest? I'm not sure it was funny or not. I think, um, yeah, they're just so proud of me. I think well, I actually gave my mum and dad a call. Uh, but none of them picked up initially. I had to wait for them to call me back to let them know. Um, but, you yeah, know, it was a pretty pretty nice moment to yeah, spend it with those guys. It's good to hear they were proud. There was a Collingwood debutant last year, a West Aussie, and when he made his debut and caught his mum, her response was, what did half the team fall over? <laughs> <laughs> so at least your parents were a lot more excited for you. Uh, now, we mentioned before quarantine, months on end in the biosecure bubble. How did you go with that? And did it start to take a toll on you at any point? Because it is so different from what a normal summer would look like. Yeah, definitely. Um I think you speak to a lot of guys and it was really challenging. I think, yeah, three or four months away from friends and family. I've never done that before, obviously. Um, but it's nice to know that it's never going to get harder than that. So if you ever go away on a test tour, it's never going to be longer than three or four months. You know, you can always come back to Perth and see your friends and family. Um, but, yeah, it's the first time I've ever been away for longer than a week because um, you just go and shield, you just go for a week, play a shield game in a one day maybe and come back and you're back within two weeks at max. So, um, yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, but it's nice to know I'll never get harder than that. It's incredible to think you've never been away for longer than a week. Talk about going from one end of the continuum straight to the other. Did you lean on any of the West Aussies that you had around you or how did, how did you cope with all these new faces that you hadn't even met before? Yeah, uh, well, there was no West Aussies in the test lineup. On the test squad, so sorry in the white ball series. In the white ball, yeah, sorry, yeah, it was like AJ and Das, and those guys definitely made it really awesome at the start. Um, we had probably half the team was West Aussies, so um, no, that was awesome that you could always catch up with those guys, and you felt kind of like home back in WA. Um, so no, those guys were awesome, and then it went to the other spectrum where there was no West Aussies for the test tour, so. Um, no, but th- those guys are awesome as well. Yeah, well, and now again, talking from going from one end of the continuum to the other from a packed crowd, the roar, I imagine, at the Gabba when India won um, the series to then making your grade cricket return on the weekend, just gone for Subiaco Flory. Was it nice to get back to where it all began? Yeah, definitely. I absolutely love playing for Subiaco Flory. I think a lot of those guys, I've played with them since I was 10 years old, so... Um, I absolutely love those guys and that's kind of where you first fell in love with the game really. So, um, I, yeah, I love going back to Subi. Well, Cam, it's been a joy to watch you burst onto the international scene and it's so nice to see the rest of the country uh, learn what we already know um, 
You're an absolute talent, a generational talent, everybody says, but more importantly, you're a great bloke. So thank you very much for your time today and congratulations on all your success. We look forward to watching you in the baggy green for many years to come. Yeah, thanks, Greeny. Have a good one, mate. All the best. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Fantastic to get the thoughts of Cam Green there. He speaks so well. He seems like a bit of a shy guy, a bit of an introverted character, but he seems uh, mature beyond his years, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he he doesn't overspeak. I think he just gets what he needs to get out, keeps it pretty simple. Um, and, yeah, I think he's uh, done an exceptional job with how he's been uh, or how he's interviewed. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with how they've worked with him through the summer, um, looked after him with his bowling. Tim Payne's been very good, the bowling coach, the, the, the staff for the Australian team, WA, how they've looked after him. It was just the right time for him to come come in, and um, he's he's proved that he can play at that level. What the patience that he has and the calmness is is very good sign for me. And the biggest one is actually him playing for the team. Mm. You see, some players coming in. I mean, everyone shows their nerves in different ways. I think some some players tend to be really nervous and are playing as an individual for their spot, which is it's normal. Because you are, that's your career and you are playing uh, for your career, but it's also when you're at that level and, I mean, at all levels, you're playing for your te- for a team. So that's what I saw with him. I, I think he's, he's a really great uh, great team man um, and I think he's got a, a big future ahead of him. Only 21 years old. Ricky Ponting was very vocal before the selection for the India series. Pick him. The timing is right. A couple of people, not so much. The exact opposite of it's too early. Um, Who are those people? So it's interesting to get your thoughts. They're probably from New South Wales. might have been one of them. Yeah, oh, heels. I think. That's a surprise. I'll have to, I'll have to double check that. But um, no, it, it is interesting to hear your thoughts that the timing is right. While somebody's been in good form for, for two years to pick them and, and not hold them back. It is also interesting to think that he was nearly lost to footy um, because of how talented talented he was in footy as well. And there was a very interesting article in the West Australian today that I wanted to ask you about, uh, Sam Landsberger. The current setup with the domestic contracts has any state contract on a Sheffield Shield and One Day Cup commitments. And the article stated that maybe in a look to rejuvenate the One Day Cup, the big bash league franchises might take over the 50 over contracts and then your state contract would only represent the Sheffield Shield Red Bull entity. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, let it sit on the fence. Um, for context, <laughs> it is something that England do at central contracting level. So if we take two of the Curran brothers, for example, um, sorry, Ben, he's with Northamptonshire, but not England. So Sam Curran has a test only contract and Tom Curran has a white ball only contract. They've got just five players who hold both, Root, Stokes, Wokes, Butler and Archer. So is that something you would like to see happen either at domestic level or at Australian level? Does it have to happen at national level before state? I don't know. Oh, I don't know where I really sit with this. It's it's pretty fresh. So um, I, I guess the Australian setup, I've never had an issue with it. It's a ranking system. And it's all based on performances, so I think it works really well. Um, I guess this is sort of the new way forward where starting to break uh, guys in different brackets like T20 format and one day. Whether that's a good thing or not, whether, you know, you're starting to – imagine like a Dave Warner when he first comes in, they put him in that bracket of 
one day. Well, he and, was in that bracket, wasn't he? Yeah. They said so he's never going to be a test player. It can go either way for those kind of guys. Um, some might be happy with just playing that sort of format. So it'd be interesting to see. I think, well, it's going ahead by the sounds of it. Um, I don't know. I'm not fence sitting on it. I, I, I just don't know. Uh, I, I just don't know if I think it's it, it's not broken at the moment at the Australian level. Um, maybe it is at the, at the state level and maybe they just want to go in a different direction. I, I think part of the logic behind it is that it could create more cricket contracts and if there's this big competition when you get a 17-year-old kid who is good at footy and good at cricket, it's which way do they go at the T-junction. Well, if how many AFL contracts would there be? So there's is that hundreds? saying that Big Bash cricket, basically it's based around Big Bash cricket, those contracts. So is it saying that Big Bash cricket is more important than longer form? No, it's trying to re- like uh, bring more life to the 50-over competition. Yeah, but if it's comparing to... If you're comparing it to like AFL and other things that they do, there is that competition between the, the codes. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to basically say to a young guy, "Don't go to footy. Come and come we'll give you bash, a, yeah. we'll give you a big bash contract in one day." Well, so it's basically like I think it is for the popularity of the code as well, yeah. because cricket administrators have accepted that younger generations are a lot more interested in the shorter formats than the traditional game. Mm. I mean, obviously, so the that's purists where I, still love test cricket, but some kids, it's a much easier sell for white ball cricket. I guess I need to know what the rule, like their rule reasoning is for it. If it's because of that, and they want to get more more young kids looking at cricket um, through the T Twenty or the shorter formats, then I'm not so sure. Do you think that if the greater in, like the greater focus is placed on white ball cricket, it could be detrimental for test development? Possibly, yeah. That's where I sort of feel like it could go to. I mean, you look at – I mean, the AFL is very different. They've got how many players in the whole – around the country? They've got yeah, well, that they've many players. Yeah, they've just decreased list sizes and it's still around 40, 42. So per, per team. Times 18, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a hundreds. lot of – I mean, it's – it's. I'm not saying it's an easy way to get in, but it's a lot easier well, than you, cricket. Yeah, percentage, there's a, a much higher chance of you landing an AFL contract. So that's where I wonder if, it, if the standard would drop then. If you just sort of – but in saying that, yeah, maybe they're still going to pick the right people. Mm. But um, if you think back to the days when it was the Matador Cup and uh, the Ryobi one-day cup and there was the Cricket Australia eleven, it doesn't happen anymore. And we saw people playing for those teams like Will Bazisto, who XWA yep. now sackers. Um, Hilton Cartwright went on to make his test debut. Jonathan Wells. A lot of the people who couldn't land state contracts were given a lifeline by that Cricket Australia eleven. So is there argument to say that there are a lot of talented players who currently can't find their way into the best eleven? One example of looking at it now is that there are nine West Aussies on this New Zealand tour and WA's Shield eleven is largely unaffected by that because the only real change is that they won't have Mitch Marsh in the middle order and Hilton Cartwright will probably be the beneficiary of it. But you've yeah. still got Cam Green, Sam Whiteman, uh, Cam Bancroft, Josh Inglis, um, Matt Kelly, John well, Paris. I, I wasn't a fan of that setup before with the Australian young guys playing in um, in that environment. I didn't think it was right. Just them getting experience was – it was a proper tournament. It's not like hit and giggle – um, for me, I, I didn't agree with that. I didn't like it. It was giving them some good experience, but 
Yeah, maybe that's a, another way that they can, with, with these contracts that mm. they're looking at doing. Well, in the past, we've seen uh, Stephen Cornelio, proud West Aussie, Luke Hodge, Shannon Hearn, Nick Revolt and Brett Delidio all choose footy over cricket. But in the last two years, there's been a massive swing and we've seen just from Victoria alone, there's been Will Sutherland, Zach Evans, Mackenzie Harvey and Will Parker who have all chosen cricket over footy. Uh, There's a lot of talk that because of the reduced funding in the pathway program in Victorian football that it's on its knees and perhaps cricket are looking at the opportunity to swoop and create more more of a lure. Yeah, I don't know. If you're playing for money, then I don't know – how long are you going to last? So I, why, I never, why I never do people played. Go to the IPL. <laughs> well, <laughs> because it is the top yeah, twenty league, and it is. Look, I, I mean, I've had these discussions before in the past, and I wasn't really. Oh, I'm still undecided with it a little bit, but with young guys coming through, just going because they see IPL, they see big money. Um, I'm not. I don't really agree with that, but um, at the same time, we've all got to make a living. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting conversation to have um, because for me I'm still a traditionalist. So I still think you yeah. should be aiming for that test or that you know even shield cricket for your state. Like I think should it's sit the most above. Yeah. yeah. So, but the game has changed. You have got to move with it and find the best ways to compete with other sports. Mm. And I think that's what this is. That yeah. Contract movement. So, but I just don't like. I don't know. Those. It'd be interesting to know like why some guys have gone one way and one gone the other way. So it'd be interesting to know what, what the reason was, if it was the, the system, was it uh, AFL offering young rookie contracts to these young kids, mm. see money, okay, this will be cool, this will be cruisy or, or whatever, but I don't know. Mm. Um, I think interesting. you can also fall victim um, of your own success. Someone like Glenn Maxwell this week has been really vocal in saying, I still want yeah. to play test cricket. I really, and it's awesome to hear that. As you yeah, said, it is. He, w- he would be a purist of the game as well. Yep. The, the biggest, like the pinnacle of your career is test cricket. Yeah. And it's awesome to hear for him. He can go for millions and, and might do so in tomorrow night's IPL auction. But the number one goal for him is still test cricket. Yep. But how can he put his best foot forward for test cricket if any opportunity there is to play shield cricket, he's on white ball duty for Australia. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good point. Like, what does he do? Like, I mean, the only way with the amount of tournaments that are around, the IPLs, uh, all the ones that are around the world, Big Bash, I mean, he's, I like, when I saw that article, I was like, I was actually, it put a smile on my face because... It seemed the way he's spoken that article. It seems like he really wants to, and he's really ready to play Test cricket. He, he does. I know, like uh, when I was playing and I was playing alongside him, he did speak about the longer form. He still wanted to wear that baggy green, and he sort of felt. I think he went through a bit of a stage. He's obviously come out with mental health issues as well, and um, but he often was like. I think he, he he was quite upset with the way he was treated at times um, and looked at. So it all comes down to him in, ultimately in the end. If he wants to play test cricket, wants to play the longer form, he's, he's got to communicate that, which he's doing now, but he's also speaking to – I'm sure he's speaking to uh, the state um, or Victoria. I'm sure he's speaking to um, guys Chris at the Australian Rogers. level. So Justin Langer. Yep. yep. He needs to then do uh, show that with performances as well and how he um, plays the game. So – um, he's got to figure out where he, he sort of fits in with the Australian team and then he's got to compete for that. 
Mm, yeah. Be, we've got the big IPL auction tomorrow night. There's quite a few Australians up for grabs. Steve Smith, Glenn Maxwell, as we've just mentioned, Alex Carey, Nathan Coulton-Isle, just to name a few. A couple of WA bargain buyers in the lowest bracket, uh, Josh Inglis, Matt Kelly, I think Joel Paris might be in there as well. Is, is there anyone um, you'd like to see go to get that experience against the biggest players or will you be following that with interest or not really because it's not test cricket? No, uh, well, I won't follow it because I'm not in it. So, <laughs> actually, I remember we were in, I think we were in South Africa years ago and um, the auction came on. One, it was, we were all at breakfast, so we we're all watching our phones. Everyone's <laughs> like, I'm looking around, everyone's got their phone on. They're like, oh, yeah, you got this, 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 and this. <laughs> so everyone was like really into it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I hope a few of those guys like Josh Inglis, oh, I think. He's got a, he's an absolute amazing talent, and I'd love to see him go um, and get some experience over there. I, I think I, if he does go over, I don't want him to just sit on the bench. I, I'd love to see him play because, like I said, I think he's a great talent. Um, yeah, it's a great opportunity for for some of those guys that you know that obviously just want to play some cricket, get that um, time out in the middle. Um, even if it's just experience talking to other international players, I think that definitely helps as well. Um, but nothing's better than going out there in the middle. So, yeah, I think there'll be some good contracts that will be handed out as isn't usual. It, isn't it fascinating? Because for me, obviously, I have um, followed the game of cricket for 20 years growing up, watching test cricket with my dad, but I've never played test cricket. I've never played any cricket for Australia at any level except underage. I find it fascinating that you sit there and you scroll Twitter to learn that you are sold. Like I think yeah. people who see it on Twitter probably presume that the players get notified through their management or something. You do if it's retention. Yep. But to think that you just sit there, like I remember the first ever match at the Adopter Stadium, um, Australia-England one day, um, AJ sold quite big with Kings Eleven, and Zampa had heard from somebody in the crowd and went up to AJ on the field and said, oh, do you want to know what you've just gone for in the IPL? And AJ yep. thought he was taking the piss when he said yeah. the price and he said, piss off, mate. And then <laughs> and then when I saw him on the boundary, he said, is it true? Like they, they don't even find out first. They don't know any more yeah. than the average punter on Twitter. And it's it's like you're a house, the way that they put the, you know, yeah. Mitchell Johnson, fast bowler, anyone 20 lakh, 50 lakh. Yep. It's such a it's pretty, it's it's such funny. a foreign experience that for you guys it is normal. But for, for those of us watching along, it is baffling. Yeah. And then it's even more baffling when they come out when this just before the season starts and they start breaking it down mm. over per ball. It's like Pat Cummins, Pat Cummins I think per he was ball like was like five thousand dollars yeah. a ball or something. So it's um no, it's incredible. Like it, it's definitely changed uh, the game uh, and it's given more opportunities for sure. Um, look, and it's well, I think with with a lot of players, it's definitely well deserved. There's there's been a lot of players like the West Indies, for for instance. I think. There's been a lot of lot of talk about them when it, when the uh, IPL first started, uh, and how a lot of them were ditching and, and getting rid of their country colours, I guess, and saying no thanks, we'd rather go and play IPL. But there was obviously more going on. There was political stuff going on there, mm. and players not getting paid at the time, and so you know it was very understandable. And and some of those guys have become you know big names in the game. And have performed very well. Like Kyron Pollard has played at Mumbai Indians pretty much the entire Forever. time. Yeah. And he's made a career out of it. He's made a life out of it. And he absolutely loves it. Mm. So, and it's not that he's not passionate about playing for the West Indies. He still wants to play for the West Indies, but 
They just need to get their act together. Yeah. So in those situations... It can provide a lifeline. It does, yeah, and, and there's no issue with that. Well, just before we wrap up, the last thing I want to get your thoughts on is the no. Australian, Australian debate. I have had a few comments <laughs> of people say to me who've listened to the podcast, do you and Mitch actually like each other? Because there's a lot of banter. I said, yeah, we, I do think we? so. Yeah, oh. I don't know. Do we? We haven't spoken about it. No, I, just... I think we do. Oh, okay. But apparently I do throw a lot of shade at you, so um, right. hopefully not too much. Oh. Okay, I've got to go, guys. Probably half the time you're not I'm listening, <laughs> so that I'm, helps. Yeah, I'm watching the TV in here, actually. We've got a TV on, you know. On the, <laughs> the last note I want to chat about is the Australian domestic competition, which has resumed this week with a, a one-day cup match between New South Wales and Victoria. There's a few Sheffield Shield matches happening at the moment and the WNCL as well, the women's 50-over competition. How fantastic is it to see that because of the cancelled tour, of postponed tour of South Africa on a Monday morning, morning live on Foxtel, actually broadcast at North Sydney Oval. You've got uh, Steve Smith mm. in the middle being bowled out by James Pattinson, who's you know arguably the 12th best cricketer in our test side, sort of just yeah. on the fringes. Yep. How good is that for the strength of our domestic system? Uh, it's amazing. But you've got to also think how good that is for club cricket because it strengthens club cricket as well because I think some of these guys will play well, a little Cam bit of Green club cricket. Cam Green to Subi Floriot on exactly, the weekend. Exactly, yeah. So feel bad for their opponent. <laughs> yeah, but it strengthens the game. And I know any t- any chance that I had to come back and play, uh, I played a few games for Wanneroo and um, I absolutely enjoyed it as well because it is it's where you start and you do have some fun fun times, great banter. You're, you're playing against all different kinds of players. Uh, some that are absolutely were scared out of their brains, but then there was some that wanted to take it on. But it was always a great challenge because it gave those guys opposition and on your own team, an idea of what it is to, you know, what you have to do to make it to the next level. So um, it only strengthens the game when these kind of things happen. So, yeah, we can look at South Africa. It's it's a negative thing that's happened there with the tour being cancelled or postponed, always, sorry. There's always a silver lining. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's strengthened um, our game here in Australia, which is, is very important. Mm. Well, Mitch, it has been a privilege to rock up and chat cricket with you weekly. I wish I could say the same. Despite all of the digs, I do really enjoy your company and I like to think you bring it back. You you also um, have rocked in most weeks with chocolate and lollies for our hungry producer, yep. Josh. I, f- I was going to bring something nice in today, but I thought, no, I'll just wait for my return gift. So I'm still waiting. High fives all round, yeah. Um, Pretty ordinary, isn't it? From you in particular, (laughs) yeah. Um, No, it's been awesome. I've loved it. I think it's been great to this opportunity to to get on a on a podcast and talk a bit of a bit of crap, but also some good stuff as well. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been possible uh, without our fantastic producer, Josh, who is very tall. Uh, he sits in the background and eats marvellous creations, mm. which um, make that little crum- crumbly noise in the background. I didn't realise he was best mates with Cam Green as well. Yeah, no, he is. Um, they He's actually a big fan and he wants us to get an autograph of oh, Cam right. Green for him. So well, fingers crossed do. we can yeah mm. get that over the line for him. Um, a big thank you also to Tab Touch for their partnership and support across the summer of cricket. Uh, Tab Touch are very good friends of us here at Seven West Media. We look forward to that partnership continuing as usual across the footy season on the Duff and Quarters podcast. Never forget to gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858. Thank you very much for listening to us across the summer, and we will speak to you when it's time for the Ashes. Mm-hmm.
Catch ya. You've been listening to The Fast and The Curious with Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner. Subscribe for weekly pods over the summer of cricket and remember to send in your questions to Mitch before the next episode. Mm-hmm.